What I look for in a friend is that they respect me because I will always respect them. Also, someone I can trust 100% with anything and everything, I tell them. From the playground to the dance floor and bad decisions. <laughs> to laughing too much. To sharing some of the most important moments of our lives. Our friends are the people that we can rely on. Well done, Kirst. I'm What's happening here? Got some spring onions and some cauliflower rice. These are friends of mine who are so kind to cater to my carb-sensitive <laughs> diet. Kirst and Candice. Yep, not drinking wine either. Friends, the family we get to choose for ourselves, or so the famous saying goes. From our youngest days, we're told to be friends with so-and-so, or you know that girl, your friend. We get asked who our friends at school are, and I remember the diss of the year from about the age of four to the age of nine was, you're not my friend anymore, or even worse, you're not invited to my party anymore. My cousin Lindy and I tried this on each other once. You're not my cousin anymore. Yep, we clearly didn't get the memo on what being related meant. And I'm happy to say that all these years later, we are still cousins and friends. Welcome to this third episode of the Navigating Life podcast with me, your host, Carol Joy Williams. This is a podcast about life. If you, like me, sometimes feel that you're in the middle of an ocean in a rubber dinghy with no compass, then this is for you. We've already covered some distance in the first two episodes, the first one being about navigating change and the second on navigating capacity and burnout. Do take a listen to them if you haven't already. I have to admit that part of my reason for choosing the topic of friendship for episode three was because I mm, somewhat naively thought that this would be a lighter topic. You know, just a bunch of besties feeling great about life and fully seen, supported and loved by all their friends, knowing how to navigate the ups and downs of adulthood and friendship. After a few Instagram story posts asking people about friendships, it became very clear to me that this too is a complex topic. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Relationships are messy, people are messy, and I guess friendships are no different. Perhaps we just expect it more in, say, a romantic relationship. But as someone commented on my post where I asked people to share their stories of friendship, and this person said, I feel like there isn't enough preparation in life for adult friendship. Something really resonated there for me. As I thought about it, I realized that so much time in our formative years is given to friendship. And things like how to be a good friend are often discussed with smaller children. I mean, outside of finding out whether they're in the fishy or the monkey class this year, what is our first question to small children about how things are going at playgroup? It's usually, and who are your friends? 
At that age, it's a lot more about having someone to play with. You know, you're not necessarily looking for deep connection or similar interests at that age. You basically just want to make sure that, you know, you're friends with someone who's nice to you and who isn't scary, as my small nephew, who has also just started school, told us on his first day that his friends were very scary, which is probably more to say that school was a little bit scary, not necessarily the other kids who were there with him. And the advice we often give little people is in order to have friends, you need to be one, which is not bad advice. It's not long, though, before we do pick up that things are sometimes a little bit more complicated and we find ourselves in some perhaps more tricky waters. I guess what interested me in so many of the responses that I got on some of my social media was the varied ways that people are experiencing friendships in their lives at the moment. I love this voice note that Damara sent me. She's a big fan of friendships and I enjoyed her sharing about what she values about friendships so much. And it's actually really funny that um, you're talking about this because I've been really thinking about friendships lately and you know how much they mean to me. Um, so I absolutely love friendship love so much. Like. I don't know, it's one of the best things ever. Um, and especially like the deep, raw, honest, lay your heart out sort of friendships are, you know, one of my, <laughs> honestly, I think it's one of the most, my most favorite things about existing on this planet. And I often see that like friendship, love doesn't get probably as much airtime as um, romantic relationships or even family, although they're like super crucial. Uh, and I think like one of the things that makes, you know, friendships super amazing, although it, it doesn't probably seem like it's in the beginning, is the challenges of. Um, so I've had like friendships, especially the ones which are, you know, super close to my heart, um, where the difficulties make the friendship stronger. Um, it sounds really cliche, but it really is like that. Um, so like, let's say when you have a disagreement with a friend and not like these minor disagreements, like these ones, which are more or less make or break. I have a disagreement with a friend and then there's this point of tension and this discomfort. And then maybe it's like your first time disagreeing or maybe even not. Um, and then there's that like, <gasps> okay, you know what happens now? Like this is uncomfortable for both of us. But then I've seen like with the friendships that have lasted, um, and that have grown deeper is um, the aspect of us choosing one another in the midst of the disagreement. Because like friendships are really different from family in the sense of you can drop a friend, you really can. Like you can be like, okay, I'm not gonna be this person's friend anymore. So it's such a beat and it's such a wonder like when two people who don't have to be, you know, in communion with one another still choose one another um even when it gets tough so i think like for me all my you know super close friends we've had disagreements and those moments of tension and it's like oh my gosh this feels really weird and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be honest and then still be like you know what i choose this person um either way um yeah so i think yeah, i really i love friendship so much i like i really 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 love friendship so much um yeah, like just having a conversation with a good friend um, at any time is, is just such a such a blessing um, and such a gift to us, you know, on this planet. 
um yeah but then i'm i'm only talking about like healthy friendships not these ones which are toxic and <laughs> and then you still choose the other person even though they're walking over you ah no, like the ones where both um both friends have chosen to commit to this friendship and to keep you know their love on and to keep honoring the other person and respecting and all those nice good things so yeah someone commented on one of my social media posts that the thing they enjoyed most about friendship is the fact that your friends have the clearest view of who you are now. Family are obsessed with season one of you. Many people reflected on the joys that authentic connection bring, sharing openly and honestly. The fact that friends can become like family when you're living far away from your own family. I like to call them family, friends that are family. I can attest to that fact. When I moved to Cape Town 11 years ago, I didn't really know anyone here. I remember wondering if I'd have any friends by the time I celebrated my birthday, which is in June and I moved six months earlier, but birthdays are important occasions and I didn't want to spend mine alone. I'd also heard all these rumors about Cape Town being so closed and unfriendly. But I was met with such friendliness in people and some of those early connections I made back then have grown into beautiful friendships and those people have become family to me. I remember accepting every invitation I got back then, also because I was 25 and had boundless energy apparently. But I decided that if anyone asked me to do anything, I would go. And honestly, that was how I met so many amazing people. And you'll be happy to hear that I did not, in fact, spend my birthday that year alone, but had a rip-roaring party that my housemates and I co-hosted because it turns out all of us were conveniently born within a month of each other. I sometimes miss how simple life felt back then. We spoke about important things, but we were often more focused on having fun, something I have realized recently I need to make more time for again. There's no doubt that the word friend has so many different meanings, understandings, and of course expectations attached to it. The fact that you can have over a thousand friends on Facebook is something that just doesn't make sense if you really think about it, or if you have any true definition of the word friend in mind. It can feel so exhausting when you're unclear about what you truly understand to be meant by the word friendship. And I think it's easy to run yourself ragged for people who are not really friends. And don't get me started on some of the not so pretty things that can sometimes have the label of friendship. Whether you're married, single, young, old, or everything in between, there is an innate desire we have for connection. It's quite easy to see how a romantic relationship or perhaps a family relationship can create the space for connection. But in my view, friendship provides a very special and unique opportunity for connection and really being seen. I'm not saying that this is the case in all friendships, but there is such incredible potential in the space that I feel that we rob ourselves if we don't consider and dive into this topic. And I just need to say that I probably won't cover everything in this episode, but perhaps we can visit this topic again in an upcoming episode in the future. Something I've often thought about is the fact that it seems that the way that men and women relate in friendships differs. 
I asked Ongama to share his thoughts on this and I so enjoyed what he had to say. Hello, hi. Um, I'm awesome, by the way. Chong, uh, you probably might have to edit this because I know I'm going to speak and rumble on and on, but here goes my view on friendship. Me specifically, okay. My view... Okay, first let me talk about me specifically. Um, when it comes to friendship, like, I really value the relationship between, like, friends, right? Um, but I'm that type of person who would rather not have too many friends, uh, simply because I like every person, mostly friends, like, I like every person to um, to have a value in my life, right? Um, I always use the term or say to people that I'm the type of person who like to have friends with benefits and I mean that in every way um, well not the main way that people know so when I say friends with benefits I don't mean like that typical sense of like you know um, friends who are you know in a sexual relationship but if you are my friend and you're in my life um, there must be some sort of benefit that you are putting in my life just like i am putting a benefit in your life so that's yeah that's my main thing as long as we put value in each other we um appreciate each other we respect each other in terms of time in terms of effort in terms of everything right um i do think that male and female do like interact in friendship differently um and this is just from my observation i i always feel like females as much as they can be friends and everything um they they usually still have a bit of that um competitiveness a bit uh in i don't know how to explain it um yeah like in a sense of even when it comes to like solving things right uh two friends that are male can have a fight or an argument today um fight about it today or tomorrow and by tomorrow they sort it they fine with it they they good right but females themselves they can fight and then it's a fight that is like unending like five years later you find out they are still angry with each other because he she did this that other day or whatever the case may be uh what else can i say what do you think is it difficult for men oh i think the main difficult part which uh, a lot of male face um yeah, right. I knew this first note was gonna be long. I think the difficult part in relationships of like between male and male, um, or friendships, is that uh, because men are raised in a way where they have to be tough, um, we have that pressure of like we have to be strong men, um, we have to stand tall, we have to, you know, fight for what's ours, uh, we have to provide, and so on and so on and so on. All of these um, uh, responsibilities that have been pushed up on us uh, do tend to make us grow in a way where 
we feel like we also have to be tough in every other way. So it's usually a bit more difficult for us as men to talk about things that um, not can seem weak, but that can show vulnerability, right? So for example, sharing feelings about certain things, it's usually tougher for us to just share, you know, and be emotional about something or cry about something. Um, and that's something that I actually love and am kind of a little envious of when it comes to female relationships because when it comes to that, they can lay everything down and cry about what they need to cry about and um, feel upset and so on and so on and so on. Such a powerful comment there on the fact that Ungama feels that something that is lacking in male friendships is the ability to be vulnerable about how you really feel. I often wonder if one of the reasons we have so much violence from men is in part due to the fact that there seem to be fewer spaces and even less permission for men to connect deeply, to be seen and heard. I mean, I think this could be a whole episode on its own, so perhaps I'll unpack this in more detail. We're going to take a quick break from these stories of friendship for our What the Beep is Going On in the World segment. I'm joined again by Jason, who is a great friend and business partner, and of course, sharer of silly things, as you will hear. Welcome to What the Beep is Going On. This is a segment where we discuss some of the crazy news that's going on, bizarre stories from around the world, and joining me in the segment is Jason Skippers, our wonderful anchor there in the northern suburbs of Cape Town, Belleville, which is basically a different, I don't know, maybe maybe continent is too far. <laughs> maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but probably a different country to, you know, where I am in Cape Town. <laughs> Anyway, Jason, thanks so much for joining us again. And we're going to start with you today. Um, I know last last time we, we had a bit of a lull about that naughty croissant that was up in the tree. So what have you uh, found for us this time? You know, I have a, a, a love affair of, of growing old and staying young, you know, living a long life. Sorry, that's actually what it's about. And so this article I found in HuffPost, so the mm-hmm. article, the headline reads, this 111-year-old Australian man's longevity secret is clucking strange. So that obviously gives you an indication of what, <laughs> what he's on about. And oh, my so, gosh. Yes, yes, yes. So this this Australian man, this gentleman, is from Canberra in Australia. And mm-hmm. he's the Australia's oldest ever man. Um, so he's this, the oldest man alive. And part of his um, you know, youthful regime or how he stays, stayed alive for so long was eating chicken brains. Yes. yes, chicken Gosh. brains was one of the things that he loves eating that allowed him to stay alive for so long. And so, um, yeah, he's a retired cattle rancher. Uh, his name is Dexter Kruger. Uh, yeah, and, and Monday, um, that was last week, Monday, marked 124 days since he turned 111. So, he's, um, yeah. so he's like properly into being 111, like yes. on his way to being 112. Yeah, so, uh, but the main proponent of how he stayed, you know, stayed along, uh, alive so long was eating chicken brains. So I realized chicken that brains. my Krispy Kreme donuts and, <laughs> and Gatsby's, yeah, it doesn't come close to chicken brains as well, you know, so surviving mm. this long. So you actually need to trade in those those Krispy Kremes for some chicken brains. But 
but I'm good. Like chicken brains don't taste nice. I, I, I would assume so. Like that's the worst mm. part of. And also, it's a chicken's head is small. Like how much? How many <laughs> brains are you going to eat? Like, You'd probably have to have like murder a lot of chickens to get enough brains. And now that will definitely upset some of our more sensitive listeners. So this story uh, comes from the states, and it's about Ooh, a cheapskate okay. date. <laughs> so yeah, so this this guy um, clearly wanted to impress the woman that he was taking out to dinner, and he he said, you know, order what you want. It's absolutely fine. Um, when the check came, he made like a big scene of um, of saying like, you know, put a hundred dollars tip on this, you know, being super generous and whatever, um, and made this very big show. And uh, then they left and, you know, this waitress was thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, like a hundred dollars, that's amazing. I mean, that's probably like what about 1.4, like nearly one and a half thousand rand. I mean, that's not bad off a meal. And she was like super excited. And this man snuck back and was like, um, I was basically just doing that to impress my date. And can you please put the tip back down to $20? <laughs> and the really awkward moment um, came when his date came back inside to see what was taking him so long and overheard him telling the waitress that um, he'd basically just wanted to impress her and to please put the tip down. She was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And he then put the tip back up to $100. So kind of like a big commotion but i don't know how i would feel if, if a guy did that like trying to you know be all suave and like so generous and then as it turns out like you know go back but i guess like times are tough and whatever but i just thought oh my goodness like that is a little bit hectic thank you so much for joining jason for the segment and look forward to See you next time. It's uh, always a pleasure chatting to you about the crazy things that are going on in the world. And we're back. So it seems that friendship, especially as adults, is something complex, um, but with the possibility of being something really beautiful when done well. I love the C.S. Lewis quote on friendship. It says friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself, for God did not need to create. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. Don't worry, I didn't lose my place or forget to carry on speaking. I just thought I'd let that nugget sink in for a little while. So, how do we navigate this sometimes complex space? In some cases, it might be having a difficult or brave conversation with a friend, letting them know how you truly feel about something. Resentment is often a sign that there is some communication that needs to happen. These moments are flippin' scary, let's be honest. I know for myself that this is something that I'm learning and trying to get better at. I grew up in a conflict-averse and avoidant space and culture, and so these kinds of conversations can feel very painful still to me. Add to that that I'm an Enneagram 2, and basically my biggest fear is disconnection, and you'll start to get a picture of what I deal with when I need to deal with conflict. What I'm learning though is that it's actually not loving or honoring to my friends or to myself if I keep quiet about things that I'm not happy with. 
I honestly feel like I'm still in preschool in this regard. So thank you to everyone who is patient with me while I learn. And perhaps you can be patient with yourself too, if this is also you. Patient, but aware. That's how I like to frame it for myself. Perhaps it's time to admit to yourself that you feel run ragged with keeping up with too many friendships. I was inspired by a friend of mine a couple of years ago who was finding herself spread way too thin in the friendship space. She decided to make a list of the people in her life that she really wanted to be intentional with in friendship. And those are the ones that she focuses on. Let's be honest. Life is full and so it's unlikely that you will be able to give the same amount of energy to everyone. And so I think it's really key to know who's who in your friendship zoo, if you will. I love what my sister-in-law Tracy has to say on that. I find friendship isn't about the people that you've known the longest. It's about the person who's walked into your life and said, I'm here for you. And they've gone on and proved that. I tend to group my friends. This way it helps me place a structure around a certain friendship that possibly needs a boundary or two. And that way I just keep sane and less drained. The group one are friends that we give and take equally. I'm 100% myself around them. There's no filter supplied. They love me, I love them, but they also know when to challenge some things in my life, what perhaps I need to work on. Um, But because they know me so well, I am no way threatened when this conversation happens. And they do obviously pick their moments, but I can do the same for them. The second group of friends is a group where perhaps I pour more of my time and energy into their lives than they do for me, more like a mental role. And maybe it's because of life experience or resources or my flexible time that they need. But my eyes are open to the fact that this is what they want from me. And it allows me to meet these people in either their home, coffee shop, or a location where I can leave when I feel the time that I have allocated to this friendship has come to an end and if I absolutely have to have them in my home I make it for a time when I have to leave to fetch kids again it's just placing boundaries in my life that I know I'm not going to allow this person to drain me and but you know I know that they need me and I'm happy to pour into their lives the third group of friends I have are, are friends who we get along really well when we are together but actually we can go a long period of time without much communication you know maybe it's because we keep in contact with social media um, but when we do get together we go for a walk we just pick up from where we left and it's just awesome to have these people some of these people in this group are friends with history some are my mother's friends but I love to hear their take on life um, almost like a godmother role like Lisa Povia would describe in some of her material. And then some of the people in this group are parents at the school gate where our school choice is the common denominator for our friendship. And then I have one final group of friends and I call this the toxic friendship group. Um, This is a group of people that I possibly struggle with. Um, I've learned to dilute those people with other people as a self-protection mechanism which sounds very dramatic, but instead of just having one-on-one coffee dates with this particular person, I will invite her in a group of friends. I won't go around to her house on my own, you know, perhaps as a family we'll go around or, you know, again, I'll invite her to my house when we've got a large group of friends here, but I just won't meet with her one-on-one. I am an introvert 
who doesn't need a lot of friends. And I know this about myself. I know that I need to recharge and the way that I recharge is by being on my own. So I don't need large groups of people, but I do know that the friends that I do have close to my heart, the people that are in like group one, um, I have a deep and, and life-changing you know, relationships with them. Winnie the Pooh once said, a friend is one of the nicest things you can have and one of the best things that you can be. And I just aim to be a good friend to everybody. And in order to be a good friend, I place these boundaries in my life so I can give um, as these different groups need of me. Sometimes being a good friend means that you don't put up with ongoing negative behavior from someone in your life. Sometimes it's easy to see how giving a recovering alcoholic a drink is not really a loving thing to do. But in the case of friendship, it feels more difficult sometimes to discern when you're actually aiding unhealthy behavior in someone else or not. It also seems to me that different friendships operate in different ways. Someone commented on one of my social media posts that friendships in their life have evolved as life stages have changed. And she now finds herself in a space where most of her everyday friends are fellow moms with small kids. And it's easy to see that this would make a lot of sense for her. Someone else commented on the fact that the friendships she appreciates the most are the ones that are low maintenance where if you don't speak for a few months or if the practicalities of living in different cities, countries or continents mean that you can't see each other often, there is a level of natural affection and connection, which means that when you do see each other, it feels like no time has passed at all. Make sure that you treasure these friendships because often these are the friendships that stay with us throughout life. A good measure of understanding and believing the best about each other is definitely necessary in a friendship that is going to stand any test of time. Another theme that came out in responses to my question on social media were that good friendships become more narrowed down as you get older. I kind of feel like I'm going through this transition at the moment and it's quite hard to navigate. So you may go from having loads of close friends to having a handful, but the connection is real and deep. These require intentionality and these are the ones where they know what's going on in your life. They're also the ones who have full right to call BS when you're being silly and to challenge you on things. I think where we sometimes get mixed up is that we open up this level of access to our life to too many people and then it's very hard to build true trust and then you end up in a weird space where you've gone too deep emotionally and there wasn't really the amount of trust required to make that safe. Other times we're so good at keeping all our armor on that no one can get through. I've not had many difficult friendships. Um, and when they do turn to loss, it can be extremely hard to navigate. But I have come out to Dana in terms of expectations, um, setting boundaries, and also a healthy dose of humility. Because um, we all get it wrong sometimes. Um, but also having the courage to continue um, in friendships and let people into spaces takes risk. Um, and I still believe that it's very worth it. Or else we've become so good at being the kind of person that people will like that we struggle to tell the difference between authentic connection and someone liking a version of you that no longer exists or perhaps never existed in the first place. And then you need to keep playing that person in order for that relationship to last. 
And often, it's a mix of all of these things. And it's so good to remember that life isn't linear and it takes time to figure these things out. The reality is that it takes time and commitment and you simply cannot do this with everyone. Friendships change, people change, and sometimes they or you move on and that's okay. Sometimes there is an ebb and flow in relationships and sometimes you have more to give and sometimes the other person has more to give. I certainly have benefited from friends who have carried on showing up for me even when I didn't have much to give them. We always need to be aware of our expectations of people, especially our friends. Are they realistic and have they been communicated? What's your first thought when someone doesn't reply immediately to your text message? Do you think, ah, they probably have a hectic day? Or do you think they probably hate me and I can't believe that they haven't replied yet? Okay, possibly a little bit dramatic, but I guess the point is that sometimes people are busy, our lives are full. And on the other hand, sometimes you really do need to get better at replying to your friends' messages. Capacity is such a big deal in all relationships and especially in friendships. Listen to episode two for more on capacity. It's so helpful to understand your own capacity at various stages in your life and to figure out how friendships fit into this picture. It takes a lot of intentionality actually. Remember that there is a level of responsibility attached to the word friendship. So don't just use that term willy-nilly. Perhaps use the word acquaintance instead of friend if that's more applicable. In my view, we really need to take back the true meaning of the word friend. It's been cheapened somewhat and I think that that's what has got all of us confused and feeling lonely and disconnected because we're surrounded by all these people who call themselves friends or are supposed to be friends but sometimes none of it ends up feeling real. Now, what about those toxic friendships? When do you know it's okay to leave a friendship? The important thing here is humility. I know that sounds weird, but remember that dysfunction is usually a two-way street. That means that you need to humbly acknowledge where you're allowing toxicity in your life. Be curious about it rather than judgy or fearful. Sometimes it's okay to walk away. Sometimes you need to walk away, even though it's really hard and has many implications for your life. Sometimes friendships that are unhealthy remain so, and so other action is required. A friend once said something so profound to me. You have to allow someone the option of never changing. Sometimes you need to make decisions based on the information you have at hand. Now, this doesn't mean you have to cancel them. Cancel culture is so damaging. But it can look like firmer boundaries or a complete breaking off sometimes. The biggest question is, do I feel more free? Generally, if you have truly forgiven and released someone from your life, then you will feel lighter, not heavier. Perhaps there is an episode in this very thought as well. A note to those who are lonely and feel like they need a friend. You are worthy of connection and this desire in you is not wrong or silly. Perhaps figuring out why you find yourself in this space is important. Perhaps people have repeatedly let you down and you're finding that you need to open yourself up to the idea of letting people in again. Perhaps you find yourself too busy for friends. I hope that you make space in your life to find the delight of even just one friendship and of being seen and known. 
Perhaps you've lost a friend, perhaps even through death. I know a few people who are walking that road at the moment and it is so hard. I'm so sorry that you've experienced that. May you find the strength to grieve your friend. Know that you'll always miss them and then find the courage to start again because ultimately life lived with people in your corner is a good life. My hope throughout this journey is that we would all experience the beauty and joy of true friendship, the delight of seeing and being seen, of listening and truly being heard, of laughing until you snort and having those gentle hugs when the days are long and life is hard. Think about a friend right now that you're grateful for and go on and let them know what they mean to you. Maybe you'd like to give them a call or pop them a WhatsApp or take them for a coffee or write them a note or a tag or take them for a beer and watch some football, buy them flowers or clean their house or look after their kids. It's so important for us to celebrate our friends and to let them know that we appreciate them. Build trustworthy friendships by being trustworthy. And remember that relationship is like a box or a bank account. You can only take out of it or draw out of it what you've put in. My hope for us is that we lean in and learn how to do things differently. Because we're here. We're in it for better or worse. And my hope for all of us is that we will find true north and enjoy the beauty of the quest. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Navigating Life podcast. And uh, please do subscribe to my channel and feel free to share this episode with anyone who you feel might enjoy it. Perhaps you'd even like to send it to one of your friends. This podcast is produced by myself and with the help of Jason Skippers. And a massive thank you to Ulrich Fobian for the use of his song, The Swing, as the theme music for this podcast. If you'd like to stay in touch, please do follow me at Carol Joy Williams on most of the social media platforms. Take care.